Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast, dedicated to modern sales and marketing, innovation, and leadership. Here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. I'm joined this week by Meredith Elliott Powell and Dr. Mary Kelly. They're the co-authors of the new book, Who Comes Next? Leadership Succession Made Easy. Meredith is an award-winning author, keynote speaker, and business strategist. Mary Kelly is a PhD economist, corporate strategist, and leadership development expert, and one of the first women to graduate from the Naval Academy. Mary served 21 years as a commission officer on active duty in the Navy. She commented some of her favorite jobs included being an intelligence officer, a chief of police, an HR director, and being part of the team that ran Pearl Harbor. Between the two of them, Meredith and Mary have authored nearly 20 books. We're going to discuss the greatest misconception about succession planning, why looking at succession planning is so critical right now and not just in the C-suite, and how you can take simple steps to get ahead of succession planning for yourself and your company. I am clearly not going to be the smartest person in the room for this interview. Here's my discussion with Meredith Elliott Powell and Mary Kelly. Mary and Meredith, welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast. We're thrilled to be here. Thanks so much, Ian. Thanks for having us on, Ian. You bet. So I'd like to start by, we're talking about this whole topic of succession planning. And so a lot of people have different ideas about what that means. What's the greatest misconception or mistake that people make when it comes to succession planning? So right now, Ian, and this is Mary, many people think that succession planning and leadership succession planning is being done by their current chief executive officer or the president of their company. But here's what we found in our last few years of research about leadership succession planning. It isn't happening. Over 40% of CEOs are um, not lasting 18 months in their job. And if you're a CEO or a president and you're being fired, you kind of don't care about succession planning. And many CEOs and presidents are frankly leaving their job a little bit sooner than they thought they would. They think they're going to last until they're 67 or 70 years old, but the average American is actually leaving their job at 63 due to their own health concerns or a spouse, a partner, or a family member. So because of that, that's an emergency, they're leaving that post and they don't care. Or if they're taking a job at another company, they don't care. Or if they suddenly die, they really don't care. So what we found is succession planning just isn't happening. And, and just to make that clear, so once they're dead, they stop caring. They yeah. just, <laughs> do. They stop. It's so I'm just, rude. I'm just making sure that I'm picking up on that. And it also sounds like there's an element of, look, everyone probably thinks that someone else is on top of this. So it's, well, our CEO must be doing, oh, the COO is, is taking charge of this. You know what? I bet you the HR director is on top of it. And the reality is that about once every four months, someone says, huh, I wonder who's taking care of that. I know it's not me. And then they kind of move on. So what is it? And, and Meredith, maybe you can touch on this. What is it that makes this such an urgent issue right now? Well, I think it's such an urgent issue right now is because we're so void of talent out there. I mean, Ian, you've got to know this working with your um, clients. You don't walk into any organization today and ask what is their biggest issue. I was just with a client this morning in Charlotte and they're growing um, leaps and bounds and their only obstacle to growth is talent and, and people. And the reason it's urgent right now is because you have 
so many boomers getting ready to um, to retire. You've got kind of a gap of um, where years we didn't do succession planning because of the whole 2008-2010 financial crisis. People were just trying to hold on to their businesses. We let our training departments go. We let our development departments go. And then everybody threw their hands up in the air and said, oh, these millennials, they don't want to hang around for very long. So we got all these crazy things going on that has now let this void of talent. And anybody who's 65 or 70 is just finally saying, I want to get out of the business, but there isn't anybody there trained at the level they need to, to take their place. Yeah, and and there's, pro- there's probably an element of that person who's right on the edge of retirement probably isn't hyper-focused on how do I, how do I make sure to mentor the next person? Now, they may have been into that 10 years prior where they can mentor somebody who they can take pride in and say, look how they've developed. But if you say to them, look, I know you're retiring in three months. What I want you to do is I want you to put in some extra effort and mentor this person who's going to take over a job that you're not going to care about in 90 days. It's kind of a tough sell, right? And not only that, but this is part of the things we found, Ian, and this is Mary again, was the CEO and the president's mindset about leaving their job. First off, they're resisting, some are resisting leaving that job. Maybe this is the company they built from the ground up. Maybe they founded this company, or maybe they love this company and they're afraid of what to do in retirement. And so they kind of didn't didn't want somebody to take their place because they want to feel as though they're irreplaceable. But the reality is we are all replaceable. Yeah. You know what? My wife tells me that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) She reminds me constantly, the dog defends me, but the kids are right with her. So do we need to, do we need to talk to her about succession planning? There there could be an intervention (laughs) required, but we'll, we'll definitely, we'll definitely get to that. Um, So, so one of the, one of the things I'm thinking is that, I find it fascinating that the two of you wrote this book together and, you know, Mary, I know as somebody who speaks a lot on the leadership side and, and the economy and all sorts of fascinating topics. And Meredith has got an incredible pedigree when it comes to sales organizations and that, and that side of personal development and professional development. So how did you come together around this topic? Well, you know, it was really, this is Meredith. It was really pretty easy for us to come together. I mean, Ian, you're right. I mean, Mary has this incredible background, military, her PhD, her expertise in economics um, and leadership. And my whole background is really in sales, sales leadership and human development and building strategies in the financial services industry. And we both found that we were starting to work on um, this topic, not only in building leadership succession at the C-suite, but really how do you build succession throughout the organization at every single level um, of the organization. And really just bringing our talents together was really just, um, just, it just made a lot of sense. It really gave both perspectives um, on the topic and it was incredibly easy to do. And and I'm just, and I'm just curious, I want to get Mary's input on this first, which is, so was it easy working together or difficult? And keep in mind, I'm going to give Meredith opportunity for rebuttal. (laughs) (laughs) This is Mary. It was so easy. And this is why I love first, I just love working with Meredith because we could literally look at each other and know what the other one was thinking. (laughs) And when we were working with clients, it was just easy. And this is kind of how it started is we started working with large organizations who were frankly struggling with both the top tier level 
of succession planning. You know, who comes next? As well as what do we do with the talent we want to keep? Now that we've found the right talent, we've attracted them, how do we retain them? How do we mentor them? How do we manage them? How do we evolve our thinking so that we are doing our very best for our people? And once we started working with these organizations together, I knew that I needed Meredith's expertise, especially on the human development and the sales side. And we started working with organizations with this year-long program. And this way, we were able to back each other up. We were able to bounce ideas off each other. And in the end, we think our clients got a much better project. Fantastic. Meredith, does that all seem accurate? Because I said I'd give you an opportunity for a rebuttal. <laughs> Absolutely. Mary's the easiest um, person to work with. I'll tell you the main reason why is because we both have the same mindset as the um, customer and client was the most important. So when each one of our talents needed a step to the plate, it was easy to, for the other to, uh, to back away. The other is that I, we just don't see that much being done on this topic. Um, and, and we really wanted to get out there and, um, and solve what is a critical issue to most organizations today. Yeah. Well, see, for me, if I were to collaborate with either one of you, I would have that uneasy feeling because I would be thinking to myself, okay, if I know already I'm not the smartest person in the room, <laughs> <laughs> then what am I bringing to the table? Because, the, you know, no, because knowing both of you, I know that I wouldn't be the smartest person in the room. I just have to get over that. Seriously, you know, I, seriously doubt that. No, as, I tell, as guys, there's that ego problem that we have. Yeah. Now, I, I used to tell people that when I was the only person alone in the barn shoveling manure, that I was still not the smartest person. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, find that hard to, I find that hard to believe. That I Definitely find hard, to, hard believe. to believe with Mary. So, so, so what happens to these organizations when they don't have the succession plan? Because I'm sure you've seen this in, in businesses where they think they've got it covered. And then what happens, whether it's in their, it's, it's in their executive and their C-suite or in their sales leadership, what happens when all of a sudden they have that void? And keep in mind, succession planning doesn't necessarily mean that someone passed away. It could mean that they got recruited away. It could mean that, um, that they retired. So, you know, what, what happens in those situations? Well, you know, first of all, I mean, talk about going into crisis mode, right? Um, you know, there you are, you're depending upon this talent. And Ian, I really want to express, because Mary and I found this so much, um, we could be talking about the C-suite, but what if this is your best salesperson, right? Yeah, or whether yeah. this is this ultimate sales leader that you've got. If you have critical positions in your company and you don't have that person in place, you're just setting your company up for failure. I don't care what other plans you've got in place, but the moment that that talent walks out the door. I mean, imagine it at the C-suite. You're going to have a shakeup all the way through the organization because now customers are worried about your future. Your employees are worried about um, your future. Everybody gets unsettled and then certain people start to scamper for position. It's just disruption at, at an ultimate level. And at the sales um, level, you just have given away your access to your top clients and you just handed them to wherever that salesperson goes to. Yeah. So really what it, what it does is you're putting yourself up for um, really failure that you didn't have to put yourself in, um, in that position. Sure. And it just takes a quick Google search right now to look at how many CEO positions are vacant and have been vacant for over a year. And when you don't have that vision and clarity and mission and purpose and goals articulated from the top down, how well do you think your company is going? How well sure. do you think things are working? Yeah, and, and I, I mean, what really, what really strikes me is that we often focus on succession planning at the C-suite, but, but I think that point that Meredith made about 
what if your top salesperson left, especially if it's a small to medium-sized business, you might have someone who is responsible for a significant percentage of your business. All of a sudden they walk out the door and people look at each other and say, well, so what deals are going on right now? I don't know. Who else knows the process this person's following, which, you know, we'll, we'll circle back to one of, one of my big things is that every sales organization needs to have a consistent process they all follow yes. because without it, when someone leaves, no one knows what to do. So, so we, we, know, we know that this is a major issue that people have to address. So, and, I, and I know that in the book, there's research you've done. What are some of the things you've learned and what are some of the steps that people can take to put themselves in a position so they're not blindsided and so that they don't end up in this panic mode when all of a sudden somebody departs? So first, I think what Meredith said is exactly right is, you know, what if your top salesperson leaves? The other part of that is they take other people with them. You know, people like to work for bosses they trust. And when that boss leaves, you know, they're going to recruit their top talent as well. So it's not just the loss of that one body. It's the loss of part of that team or maybe that entire team. And what we found, Ian, is that many organizations are sort of thinking about grooming people for their next level or the next responsibility or that next position, but they're not communicating that to those people in those positions. And I had a client just about a month ago where the CEO said, yeah, I've got this uh, vice president lined up to take my position. She's been great. Everybody loves her, all of this, but he never told her that he, he had been grooming her for this job. And so she calls me and she says, Hey, Mary, you know what? Um, I've got this great opportunity at this other company, and I've been sworn to secrecy to not tell her that he was planning on her taking over his job in like a year. And I called him and I was like, dude, you got to talk to her. But I couldn't tell him that she was getting this other offer. So I was in a terrible position. And he said, no, 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 I can't tell her that because then she'll, you know, she'll slack off or this, that, whatever. Well, two weeks later, she was gone. Yeah. Communication is key. It, it really is. You know, something I, I think um, one thing that I love about this book that we wrote is um, is in relation to the question you just asked, Ian, is what we vowed to do was to make succession easy. And um, I think one reason that a lot of companies don't start with this because we complicated it. We think it has to be this massive plan. But if you're looking for a couple of solutions for you know any of the listeners that are out there, one of the most important things you need to do, just look across your organization, find the four or five critical issues. Just go home and think about who would bring tears to your eyes if they walked out the door tomorrow. And just start with those five people. And first of all, go to them, let them know how valuable they are to the organization and that you see a future for them and engage them in the success planning process. Get them to choose their successor and groom their successor. And that'll be, a, that'll put you leaps and bounds ahead of other people, other that's, organizations in succession planning. Just start small. That, that's great. So I, I love that idea of identifying those people and then getting back to Mary's point about effectively communicating that. Because yeah. I've seen this with, with clients of mine where they've got somebody who is phenomenal. And let's, let's say they've got a venture that they're working on right now. And they say, oh, yeah, here's this huge venture and this person's a key player in that. And I'll ask them, well, so what's their stake in that venture? Well, eventually they're going to own X percent of it and they're probably going to run the whole thing. Okay, so so what did they say when you told them about that? Oh, we haven't told them yet. Okay, so like, so what if they left it, you know, a month from now, two months from now? Oh, we'd be devastated. Okay, you think it may be worth telling them about it now then and making it so that they realize how important they are and they have a future because to your point earlier, 
people leave bad bosses or they leave positions where they don't feel there's a future. So if we don't communicate their future, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to say, well, gee, unemployment's at an all-time low. I'm going to go work somewhere else. And they may have just left the best opportunity ever. Just we didn't tell them about it. Yeah, that is exactly right. And one of the things we also try to communicate is you cannot treat your top talent the same as you treat your bad talent because your top talent does have options. And anybody right now knows that we are in a war for talent. So if you are not keeping your top talent informed, then you should not be surprised when you wind up without them. Yeah. I, um, I just want to add one other little tip that Mary and I found because I thought this tip was fascinating. And that is that for the most successful organizations that really had um, robust succession planning um, programs, the CEO or the business owner had moved it into their role and made it their responsibility. They understood that that talent and succession was so important to the organization that while they might be working with HR on it or other people on it, they made it their responsibility. And, and I want to emphasize that we found that not only in large organizations, but in small mom and pop organizations that 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 um, leader or CEO had moved it to their responsibility to engage in and to build succession for it. Yeah, it's, you know, because it, it, it definitely has to be a top down type yes. thing. And I think that one of the one of the other things that I think is lost that you touched on, I want to make sure that people heard is this idea of the succession planning isn't just how are we replacing the people at the top but we're also showing opportunities for the people in the middle who can get to that top place. So we often think, what if my sales leader leaves? What if my COO leaves? And the reality is, look, if the sales leader left, but your top four salespeople under them stayed, it might not be as devastating. But if those four people say, well, there's really no career advancement for me. Yeah, I can make more money, but gee, eventually I want to have this title because that's important to me. Well, if we don't show them a path to get there, it's not going to happen. And if we don't mentor and develop them, then we might get to the point that we promote them, but they can't handle the job. Oftentimes I've seen organizations make tremendous mistakes by hiring, in essence, their top salesperson to become the VP of sales, but they've never been taught and mentored on how to manage or lead other people. It's so interesting that you say that, Ian, because Meredith has a book on that called Own It, that everybody has to own their own responsibility, but also their future responsibility and their future position. And I have a book called Why Leaders Fail and the Seven Prescriptions for for Success, which talks about how people do get promoted into jobs, really good people, but then they go, what do I do now? And that there are seven criteria which cause them to actually fail in that job because we have not adequately trained that. Meredith, do you want to talk um, a little bit about the Young Professionals program that we have? Yeah, I, 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 just, I love that Ian brought that up because when I was in corporate, my last sales leader, he was an unbelievable salesman, but he was my boss. He would be the first person to tell you he hated people. He hated drama. <laughs> he hated our issues. He, he was he was phenomenal to go on calls with, but he was he's the worst boss um, I've ever had. And so what Mary is talking about with um, young professionals, so note to self, anybody listening to this, if you're going to promote... Um, people into leadership positions, they have to like dealing with, engaging with, and even dealing with a little bit of um, 
a little bit of drama. But with the young professionals, um, you know, I think this is this is kind of a fascinating. You know, so many people talk about the um, the millennials. We've created a program where it is um, it's your life, it's your career. What are you doing? Waiting for somebody to engage you, giving young people the tools they need to put themselves in the driver's seat and one hundred percent in charge of their career. But here's the difference between millennials and um, and I will say all of our generation, is millennials may be walking out the door because they don't have opportunity. I mean, the statistics and the research show that if they have a career path, they will stay. And people are frustrated with the fact that they leave. But you have a lot of people in your organization who are my age or older who quit a long time ago. The difference is I already had a mortgage and I already had to put my kids through college. So I couldn't walk out the door, but I was as frustrated and as mad as everybody else. So you've got to understand that you've got to be creating opportunity for people if you want them to engage. We ask them to invest in our company. We've got to invest in them first. Yeah, it's it's that it's that age old it's that age old thing of People always ask us, well, what happens if I train these people and they leave? And I always love the, the answer to that, which is, well, what if we don't and they stay? <laughs> exactly. And so if we develop their skills, we can actually get somewhere. Yeah, Mary. Yeah, it's interesting that 71% of millennials, by the way, say that they will leave a job that does not give them leadership development or a career path. Interesting to note. And then some of the baby boomers and the more experienced managers say, oh, but those millennials, they're job hopping. Wait a second. Here's the statistics on that. Millennials change jobs statistically, and this is everybody, every 2.6 years. But baby boomers are changing jobs 4.4 years. So they're not that ahead of the millennials. And yet we tend to discount training our younger workers. So I also think I also think millennials will be different. Wait till they have mortgages and they have kids, and they're gonna you know they're gonna get the life sucked out of them just like we did. <laughs> well, you know what? And, 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 I th- and I think they may be looking not to get the life sucked out of them, yeah. but instead get the right skills. I also think that if you if you rewind to when as millennials we were in the midst of all this unemployment wasn't as low as it is right now. So people didn't have as many opportunities to move. I think that today the big issue is, look, I don't want to be in a job where I don't have the right training. I don't have the right mentorship. I don't have the right opportunities for advancement. So I'm going to go to some place where I can get that as opposed mm-hmm. to it's, it's not so much, oh, I'm going to go to a company that has a foosball table. They want to go to a place where they're actually valued and they have an opportunity where they say, wow, five years from now, I can be earning twice as much with twice as much responsibility. That sounds great. Instead of, well, five years from now, I'm probably going to feel like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day and feel like I'm living the same day over and over again. You know, which one would you choose? It's the same Absolutely. thing. So, you know, I call this the ex, the ex-spouse syndrome. I'm like, once you find great talent and then you think, well, you know, it's okay if they go to another company, maybe they'll come back. That to me seems a lot like marrying your ex. I'm like, why wouldn't you just train them well in the beginning and keep them? Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's something that I think is, is a fascinating piece. So if, if someone, if someone is listening right now and says, okay, I'm bought in, this is something totally I should do. This makes perfect sense. You mentioned a couple things, which is making sure you're identifying the top four or five critical issues. Who are those key people? We then want to make sure we're communicating effectively with those people so that they know that they're valued and we're actually engaging them as part of this, that succession plan. Now, keep in mind, we have to be careful in how we do it because we can't say to them, hey, we want you to help develop your successor. And they say, great, where am I going next? Hmm. Um, we're not going to talk about that. 
You know what? I have a great line for that because I've got a company going through that um, right now. It's a company that's grown like crazy and we've got to have everybody in leadership positions building their next talent. And I've just, when working with the CEO, we're just sitting down and telling people the company is growing and expanding and you have a long future here. We're going to, you know, I need you to bring that talent behind you so that when I get ready for a new opportunity for you, you, you you've got somebody to take your place. Yeah. And also, Ian, one of the magic, one of the magical things that we are proud of in this particular project is that we created a series of forms and tools and templates for people to customize for their own use. And one of those is the five minute career plan. And this is where you bring your person in or your team in and individually you ask them some of these questions so that you have a good idea of what they want, where they think they're going, how prepared they think they are for their next level of responsibility, and then where you think they're going as well. And this facilitates the conversation and the back and forth dialogue, which is so necessary to making sure you're keeping the right people. That's, that's great. And, and I know that, I know that you've got a ton of resources in this and really guiding people through it. So this notion of let's identify the top four or five critical issues or people we then want to communicate. And obviously you've got all these forms. What's one other thing that if someone says, okay, I should really do this. What's the next step for them beyond obviously getting the book, which my audience tends to do anyhow, but what, what else should they be looking at so that they, they can get on the path to actually not worrying about these, the succession planning? Um, I, th- I do think, you know, again, I think that they need to decide that it is going to be their job. They're not going to outsource it to um, to anybody else to understand that this is their, um, you know, their major competitive uh, advantage. And then the only other thing that I would tack on to that is, um, is to really start to talk to your um, employees, make a list of um, really create who the successful person is in your company. Every company has a type. Again, Ian, it's just like sales. I mean, we all have an ideal prospect or an ideal um, client avatar. You've got to create that avatar for your company. It's a mix of skills and it's a mix of values. And the better you understand who the employees are who succeed in your company, who really make a difference, the better job you'll do of choosing good successors for them. And it's exactly true. You have to hire for the future, not the present. Mm-hmm. You're looking for people who are leading your company in three and five and 10 years, not the person who's going to solve the immediate problem today. I love that notion of hire for the future, not for the present, because I think so often people will say to me, well, here's what I need right now. And I said, well, what do you think their role will be 18 months from now? Yeah. And the, the frightening answer to that is usually, well, I don't know, pretty much the same as it is now, right? And it always ends with a question, right? It's, it's, the answer is always phrased like jeopardy in the form of a question. <laughs> well, it's going to be the same thing as now, right? I don't know. Yeah. You tell me. Like, where do you think the company is going to be, you know, 18 months from now, two years from now, five years from now? And that's one of the exercises we have is figuring out what those leadership competencies and skill sets are for what that person who's going to be leading whatever the division, the department, or in in fact, the entire company is in the future looks like. And making sure that we are matching the talent development and the talent search to those competencies. Perfect. So, Meredith and Mary, what's the best way for people to learn more about who comes next, which is the title of the book, and to connect with you and learn more about what you're up to. Well, I will tell you that Mary and I are big connectors, so I do hope that people um, uh, will reach out because we will respond. But you can find um, uh, more about the book um, at our website. It's whocomesnext.com, comesnext.com. And then you can find me at valuespeaker.com, just the terms value and speaker.com. I tend to live on LinkedIn more than any other social network, so I would appreciate it if people reach out and connect with me there. Sure. And Mary? 
I'm at ProductiveLeaders.com because, frankly, who wants an unproductive leader? <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a great point. UnproductiveLeader.com un, un, was taken. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so ProductiveLeaders.com. I'm a big LinkedIn fan as well. It's Dr. Dr. Mary Kelly on LinkedIn. And our website together is WhoComesNext.com. And on that, we also have a series of free resources. That's where the highlights are going to be. There's a webinar there that guides people who are maybe thinking about about this through some of the issues they might want to think about. And we've thrown some of our more popular forms there. You know, Good it's, stuff. It's, it's, it's so well thought out. And it's something that, as you said, makes it so that the idea of succession planning isn't intimidating, but it's almost like, you know, it's just a step-by-step process that people can easily follow and actually tackle. So it's not hanging over their head. So thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and knowledge And I guarantee our audience will be reaching out with questions. Thanks, Thanks, Ian. Ian. Meredith and Mary share so many great insights. Here are the key points you can use and apply to your business right away. First, don't assume that the CEO is handling succession planning. This is something that needs to happen across departments, yet the CEO needs to be on board. And don't just rely on HR to handle it. Play an active role. Second, communicate with your key players. Don't assume that they know that you see a bigger role for them. Otherwise, they might leave before you hand them the reins to take over. And finally, identify the top four or five critical roles on your team and start looking at the succession plan for each of those. And if you're really serious about it, that CEO needs to be involved. Please be sure to check out the resources that Mary and Meredith generously offered and be sure to pick up the book, which contains a roadmap of exactly how to plan for success. Remember, this show gets the direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic I should cover or a guest I should have on the show, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. And be sure to check out the Same Side Selling Academy at samesidesellingacademy.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.